why you should at least hope for five loops. If you don't hope it, you shouldn't start. I feel like we talked too much before we hit record. <laughs> well, we had a lot to, of stuff to sift through that wasn't necessarily podcast apro- apropos. That's that's true, and I, I that's one thing I I I I feel bad about is that I feel like we have to keep secrets from the podcast. You know what I mean? Like I wish we were a totally open book. Yeah. But also the reverse of that, I feel like we keep secrets from each other during the week about how we feel about the documentaries that we watch. Uh, oh, there's no question. Because if I if I really <laughs> don't like something, I'm not going to let you know before we record. But like, and I totally respect this because I do it and I know I'm not going to get a response. But like when I give you a, like a text reaction, like like I you do not respond. I do not respond. Today my phone goes today my phone just starts buzzing and buzzing and buzzing over the one we're about to talk about. And I was like, Nope. You sent like five text messages in a row. Oh, that was and like was last like, night probs. Or whenever it was, and yeah. I was like, No, Emily, I am we're not talking about the documentary before we get to the podcast. But but also, he didn't say that. He just didn't acknowledge that I texted anything. <laughs> like, it's, it's easier that way. I said something else. You got the I, message. I said something else, like, really dumb, and he just answered that. And I was like, wow, you act like I didn't text you five other times, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's... That is entirely accurate, but like it's. But I also get I, it. Like it doesn't offend me because I'm like I know that we shouldn't talk about it, but I want you to know I'm like really enjoying this right now. No, I will. We'll we'll get to talking about the documentary, but uh, <laughs> but it's a it's a good one, and and I don't know. It's like I already feel like sometimes not necessarily with this documentary, but I feel like on some of these weeks that we've we've struggled to reach like a decent sized podcast um, length. And any little scrap of of information could be useful to stretch out the podcast. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but yeah, no, I know. I don't know. No, it's totally I, fair. I just, I just need someone also, to know. I just need you I'm to a know. Really, I'm a really bad texter, um, and every day I get a, a little bit better. Um, <laughs> but, but. Um, I'm so bad at it that uh, there's a long way to go. It's okay. I don't, again, like, I I don't get upset about it. I just... You're entitled to be upset. No, I'm not. It's fine. And I want it's this podcast fine. to be a place that you can be upset with me. No, I'm not upset. I'm currently not upset with you. <sighs> but you. I am very I am very excited to, to jump into this one. Okay, well, actually, just real quick before we do because wow. it, it's relevant it's relevant yeah, this is yeah, a reverse yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, it's a reverse segue yesterday Teresa and i uh went to a brooklyn nets basketball game oh right right um and i had never been to a brooklyn nets basketball game and i knew they were not good um but i didn't know quite how bad they are um here, let's do let's play a game there have been um, 55 games this season. Don't Google it. How many games do you think they've won out of 55? And I'll tell you high or low. Is it zero? 
No. Oh, okay. It's not zero. Um, they, is it is it seven? No, they've won nine games. Wow. Out of fifty-five. And what is the level of this play? That'd be the the National Basketball Association. Um, they are. Wait. They are th- <laughs> what team is this? This is the Brooklyn Nets from the NBA. Um, I and do they play we, like normal? Do they play the Lakers? Yeah, they do, and they oh. get their ass handed to them. Um, so we were there. They used to be owned by Jay Z, and then he sold them at some point uh, for bullshit uh, legal reasons, but also because they just suck. Um, the the tickets were crazy cheap. Um, it was a lot like watching a basketball game mostly alone. Um, oh my god! There was there was no one there. Um, no one was cheering for anything because nothing good was happening. Um, have you seen the Harlem Globetrotters ever? Not live, but like, yeah, I know, I know, you know what's up. Yeah. So this, they looked like the team that the Harlem Globetrotters play and beat. Jesus. Like, they were that bad. But here's the thing, though, is like, that's how the Cubs were. And like, tickets were cheap and people went just to like, get drunk and have fun. And now yeah. they won. And like, I never went when it was cheap and stupid. And now mm-hmm, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to get in there. That's real. I, For that's real. One of the things I always, that's one of the things I always say about being a Mets fan is that like, <laughs> midway through the season, Stuff goes on sale because they're they're so far behind, and now actually they're good. And it's you're right. It's like things are expensive. Yeah. Yeah, but the the um, I'm sure their stuff is super cheap, but it was just like this interesting mix of like depressing and fun, and um, and it's because it's still an NBA team. Like they still do all like the big hype stuff of an NBA experience. Right. Um, but it's they're they're practically amateurs. Um, I don't know. It was very weird. So <laughs> I don't know. I, it, I, it, it reminded me. I kept thinking about that while I was watching the documentary for this week. Um, this week we watched the battered bastards of baseball, a Netflix original documentary about the uh, short lived independent baseball team in Portland, Oregon, the Portland Mavericks. I agree with everything that you just said. Yeah. So, are you a baseball fan, Emily Toby? Um, I'm not like hardcore about anybody, but yeah, I enjoy baseball. Uh, I grew up a Dodgers fan, going to Dodger mm-hmm. games. Um, but yeah, I appreciate the game. I played softball, so like I I understand like the inside right. baseball, if you will, of like strategy and what what it's all about. Sure. Um, I know that you're a backyard baseball fanatic. I I am something of a backyard baseball fanatic. But you enjoy baseball in general. I am. I'm uh I'm I'm a ride or die Mets fan. Usually die. Um and it's uh it's it, I I'm pretty serious about it. There's been seasons where I've watched every game of the season. So like in doing that too, do you feel like you know like weird stats about like a lot of people like other teams too i don't have a i don't really have a head for stats there are there are definitely those guys where it's like you can say to them who won the batting title in 1984 and they know exactly who it was right that's never that's never been me but like i the thing i love and the reason like i I like watching the mets and like i like following a team is i love the the like the characters of it all 
and I love the the um, following the stories of the different players, um, and like I get that personal connection, which was a huge part for the Portland Mavericks. Um, so they're they're a double A, they're I mean a single A team. So they're like the lowest quote unquote professional team possible. Um, and if you have you know your minor league team from back home. Uh, for me, it's the uh, Tri-City Valley Cats, um, or in Charlotte, we had the Charlotte Knights. Um, nobody at all cares about minor league baseball, in part because um, you don't actually have, like, a team. The farm system makes it like your players just kind of bounce around, and you don't – there's no one to hold on to. So uh, Bing Russell came to Portland and was like, yeah, we'll just make a team independent of the whole farm system and these will be like Portland's players and they'll be here forever. And kind of got that team vibe going. Yeah. Which is important. No, I I thought it was super cool. Um, I did not realize a few things going into this. Uh, I didn't realize Kurt Russell played uh, professional baseball. He did. Although... Only for a month. Only for a month, because he like tore his ro- he tore his shoulder or something, right? Yeah. Um, so I, so I didn't know that. I I didn't know his father was uh, Bing Russell, but more so like I watched Bonanza here and there. So <laughs> so why? I watched TV Land a lot as okay, a child. That's fair. Like I really did. I just it was always on. I loved it. Um, like so it wasn't like my favorite show but i've like definitely seen bonanza so i was shocked as shit that his dad did that and then just shocked that both of these like super successful actors were also like super into baseball yeah um well and then uh the manager of the team um was a like a character actor from hollywood yeah um and then the bat boy grew up to be a academy award nominated director yeah twice I know, like, it was so funny. I mean, like, we'll talk about the whole film, but the end of the film where they kind of focused on each person that they interviewed or talked about, it felt like the Sandlot, like, for real, when they were like, it really is. this guy went on to do this awesome thing, and you know this guy on this show, and this... I was like, fuck, like, all of these guys did super well, like, outside of baseball. Well, I, I think the, the connection to Sandlot is, like, a really smart one, because... The thing that's, like, great about, like, the Mavericks, but also about, like, the way they made this documentary is it really highlights, like, they were just kind of, like, scruffy, gross dudes who like to play baseball. Yeah. Um, and there was, like, there was nothing manicured or, you know, really professional about them other than the fact that they got paid every month. Um, yeah. Like, they just had fun. And I love that. Like, yeah. And growing up, I know, like, I knew people who were like, oh, well, I, pr- I prefer to watch, like, college basketball over, like, NBA. And I was like, why? Yeah. And they're like, because college kids are playing because they freaking want to play. Like, that they want to be doing that. And, like, once it gets really, like, you know, uh, on the commerce side of things, it, it sucks it away a little bit. So it, it actually reminds me, there was a story from – um, this past season of with the Mets, um, was it this past season? It may have been the season before, um, where this guy named Wilmer Flores. This, actually, I'll tell the whole story because it's actually kind of interesting. Wilmer Flores is like a, was like a kind of nobody on the Mets, just like a, a fill-in player. Um, uh-huh. And there was one night he went out uh, on the field, and um, while he was out on the field, 
rumors ha uh, spread um, that he had been traded to another team. And, like, it was spread around the park, and, like, you know, everyone's on their phone. So everyone found out that he had been traded while he was out um, fielding. So he ran back in, and he, everyone cheered for him, and he, like, didn't know what was going on. So he got, uh, he, like, he was asking around, and, like, he found out while he was in the dugout that he had been traded away, and this would be his last, um, his last game as a Met. So when he went back out on the field the next time, everyone cheered like crazy for him, and now he knew why. Um, and he is he was the Mets were his first team, uh, and he had moved his family out to New York, and he was like really like proud of being a Met, and he started to cry on field, um, and like it went all around baseball, and everyone like fell in love with him, and it was like so, and what everyone was talking about was like you don't get actual human emotion in baseball, like you never actually see people feeling anything, and so that's why everyone like fell in love with him was just because it was one of the first times that anyone could remember that like there was a player who was being a human who like they could connect to um end of that story he didn't get traded away and everyone loves him wow and all he did was cry that's so nice that's that's the exact same reaction i had this last week when i had to move places in my office <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> seriously i cried Did you really <laughs> yeah oh my god because okay, I was you're so, a crier right i'm a crier but like i was that upset so like i couldn't oh. imagine no i just like could not imagine like finding out mid mid game of a super focused game like you right. gotta like keep your shit to like i played softball and i was a pitcher so like your head's super important in this game so like i could not imagine finding that out and like trying to be cool yeah you know like good he for wasn't. him he cried no <laughs> and good for him because like i i get i understand what he went through is really what because I'm you had to move desks because i had to move desks at work um I, but that's I, a I'm great like, story i didn't that's a good really story, cry isn't it? no um, it's that's cute. good yeah um but like that's what <laughs> to go back to the documentary yeah that was like the whole thing right it was like they were real people just like living their lives and like they like kind of welcome people into the fun that that can be baseball and like the the humanity that can be baseball um it's weird i felt i don't feel like i'm a particularly like patriotic person necessarily but i felt hella like american and like a nostalgic yeah. way watching this doc and i think that's like maybe part of the point of like what this team was in the 70s was like like just classic americana with like no shit involved no politics involved and it's just like a good time well and it's such a cool like american dream story it's a group of guys um the way bing russell like put the team together is he just like had open tryouts so it's a group of guys who like couldn't make other teams for whatever reason um and just kind of showed up in portland and like trying their best pull themselves up by the bootstraps kind of a thing um we, and so there's a, a very american feel to the whole thing have you seen side note have you have you gotten a chance to watch last chance you on netflix no i just i can't find a way to get interested into it but i know it's cool well, I, it's just that Last Chance You is kind of the modern, more dramatic version of this documentary, where okay. it's about a team. It's about a team of misfits who like can't make it in other places for whatever reason, and they like find a new home. Um, so 
I would say give it another try, okay. maybe okay. going at, going at it from that angle. But so this this Portland, what's interesting too about this Portland team and like about this documentary is like the whole thing lasted four years or five years. Um, like they 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 were a phenomenon, not a a revolution, if that makes sense. Like they didn't last forever. They're not around today. Yeah. But it's it's this kind of cool like moment in history where all of these things came together to make this weird team. Yeah. And it just kind of shows you, I don't know, I definitely thought about it economically almost, thinking mm-hmm. about, like, small, like, mom mom and pop shops that just yeah. cannot exist anymore because, I don't know, there's so much money in politics and everything that you have, like, huge chains and things that, like, feed into each other that um, are... Uh, I can't think of I can't think of the business term from Jack Donaghy that I'm thinking of. <laughs> well, but, synerg- yeah, you know what synergistic. I mean. Something about synergy for sure. Um, but, but it reminded but, me of that a lot. Like it's shifted, and it highlights the way. Like you know, baseball is a legal monopoly, and you don't think of that really affecting people that much. But like, here's a way that it really does, and like, here is how that. Uh, that system is broken and is like hurting the game of baseball but also like hurting real people Um, yeah i think the whole thing and like not to jump too far ahead but uh the whole thing with like baseball territory was very interesting to me i had Um, no idea yeah um i had zero idea but it's like the idea is that um basically uh organized baseball it's like major league baseball owns territories um so and that territory is 90 miles from home plate which also is so quirky and fun that they would actually measure from home plate um, see and i was like that's so stupid <laughs> like oh no it's of really, oh, course no. they do it's really stupid but not like, the pitcher's guess, mound home fucking plate and like think about home. think about it they lose like how many how many hundreds of feet Mm-hmm. by including the ballpark on the back end you know it's just like not it's not efficient but that's a really yeah, good point if it's you, really if cute you, you have there's <laughs> a little bit more a few more people on the home plate side <laughs> than, than on the center field side that's a really good point you're just wasting a lot of space but but yeah but like if you if you are a, a single a or a double a team who who owns a uh and you own a team in Portland, for example, and a AAA team wants to purchase your territory, then they just can't. And, like, that's their, like, they just come in and they just give you money and you have to leave. And, like, that's the rule because it's a monopoly. So, okay, that was maybe the part I missed. So, so after four years of this team being super popular in Portland, was it a major league team or a AAA team that came? Right, so it's weird because... Technically, even though they're an independent team, right, they're part of the the baseball organization. So they're they fall under the same rules as um, this is my understanding. They fall under under the same rules as the rest of uh, organized baseball. So um, a triple A team came and wanted to re take over that territory and so bing and the portland mavericks had to cede it because they were only a a single a team 
Okay, so when they went to court, it was literally for the price of that territory. It wasn't right. a matter I of if it was going to happen or not. It for right. sure was going to happen. That's to my understanding. That's that no matter what, he was going to give it up. Um, but it was just over the price. That made me so upset. Yeah, I felt so. Ma- I felt a lot of feels watching this documentary. Like I yeah. really did. Like I was so invested in this team. I mean, truly, I felt like I was watching, like, A League of Their Own or something. I was, like, so invested in this story. I was like, oh, my God. And then, like, they go up against this bigger team, and I was like, if they lose, I'm going to be beyond upset. That's what the, That was what you texted me. Oh, I was like, I think I think I said, if, if the Mavericks lose, I'm going to vomit. <laughs> and then I think, like, four minutes later, I was like, I'm so upset. <laughs> the thing is, too, and, like... I guess I don't know if it's cheating, but like, right. So the reason they end up, they, they never won a championship. They won the division, uh, three out of four years or four out of five years. I forget how many years they existed, but they only lost it once, but they never won the championship game. And what it was, was that the other teams who had double a and triple a affiliates would just take better players and like bring them into town because they couldn't stand the idea of the Portland Mavericks winning the championship. And like, that's so dumb. Oh, it made me so upset. I could, like, if it was a movie, like, they definitely would have won. Because, like, who doesn't love a good underdog winning? But I right. was like, but th- but then that's the reality of watching a documentary. In my, in my like, storytelling mind, I'm like, this has got to end well. And well, then, so that's the, oh. That's the thing, though, and which I don't know if you would agree. Like, so after they, they lose the championship we go into all this stuff about arbitration and, and money or whatever. And it's, it was almost, it was like the die. No, it wasn't like, I mean, the documentary and the documentarian was trying to make a happy ending. Um, and for me like that, I did first of all, I'm not sure I needed a happy ending, but second of all, like, I'm not sure it was a happy ending. Yeah. Like he won some money, but he was already wealthy. Yeah. It wasn't like that was going to like really make much of a difference. I mean, I don't know. I, Again, like, the way they wrapped it up, just showing where all these people went, like, it just seems like it was a cool thing to be a part of in that moment. And I yeah. think they all, like, understood that. They were like, this was just, like, a really cool ride we all got to go on. And, like, they took something from it, work ethic or connections or what have you, and they all seemed to do pretty well. <laughs> and Yeah. And I think they did. I think this documentary, if nothing else, does, like, a really great job of capturing that feeling of just, like, being caught up in something like bigger than yourself um yeah and it was a thing where it's like it seems like at the time everyone knew they were part of something spectacular and they like that's like that's in itself is like a cool thing to like know you're in the middle of something strange and exciting yeah um well like there's all sorts of little things in it that i that that i think are funny that like would not happen this would not happen in 2017 like, no, it it'd be it'd be too expensive. Not only that, but it's just like you know, we worry so much about every little like insurance thing and every little True. like ev- you know every step of the way of this the whole thing was so spontaneous and like we don't have that spontaneous thing anymore. Um, like like um the um the kid who was the bat boy just like showed up and started working. Like that doesn't that would not happen. Yeah, um, I loved even, his story though. 
Yeah. Like, this kid was so passionate about being a bat boy. It was so cute. It was like he had worked his entire life, which I'm sure he had, but, like, ha- the he felt like it was such a big thing to be a bat boy. And I was like, I love you. Like, that yeah. is perfect. Well, and, and he was like, you know, uh, Rob, someone, uh, someone told me, like, just you have to work so hard that they can't give you that they can't not give you the position like that they just have to give you the position yeah. i was like yeah that's that's freaking awesome oh it's so cute um but they like but all of it uh, like the they had a uh, a dog as their mascot who would like run out on the field and stuff like that wouldn't happen um they like uh, just the open tryouts in general wouldn't oh, happen. Yeah. It's just like every step of the way, like we don't get cool, spontaneous stuff like this anymore. Yeah. And that's, that's, um, that's all. <laughs> that's all I that's wanted to say. That's my final I'm thought. jealous. I'm jealous, I guess, is what I'm, is what I want to say. Well, it was like, um, it was fairly pure. Like, there really wasn't any, like, catch or gimmick to it. It was just people playing baseball, like, really hard and really well. Um, and I also, I don't know, I enjoyed the fact that it was done by Bing Russell. I keep wanting to say Bing Crosby. <laughs> like, I, I got Christmas on the mind or something. Bing Russell. Um, like, this guy had a super successful career as an actor. Made crazy bucks. Kurt Russell was already a child actor and had made crazy bucks. And like Oh, was he? I didn't know that. Yeah, no, I I looked him up today. He he he's been acting since he was he was youngin. Um hmm. but that he just took money that he could burn and put it into something that he felt super passionate and yeah. excited about. And I don't know. I just that's like such a pure like passion thing, and I think that was nice to see. Absolutely. You know, he wanted. Was, he kept doing. He had a new project just because he was done acting. Didn't mean he was like done doing things. Well, like he didn't. It was interesting. Like it didn't seem anyway like he really had a uh, reason to go to Portland other than that he was like, this. I want to make a baseball team and like. Yeah. And everyone was, I think, rightfully suspicious of him. Like, who who are you and why are you coming to Portland? Like, what is the scam? Um, which also I think is really funny that he identifies so much. Um, with Harold Hill um, from Mus- from Music Man, and he talks about how like he, he's just doing the Music Man thing, and like in the Music Man, he sets up a boys band, and we're setting up a boys baseball team. But like Harold Hill was a, a scam artist, and like he comes to town, he comes to town to steal from the people. I don't know. That was just a thing. I thought that was just a thing. Yeah, no, that's a great thing. This made me want to play baseball so bad. I I longed for like yeah. When I used to just, like, run out and play in the street with my, like, neighbor friends and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't know. It was fun. Like, watching The Sandlot is fun, and watching, like, A League of Their Own, it, they're just, like, heartwarming and fun, and I got the exact same, like, vibes from this movie, which I haven't, like, had in a while, so it was nice. This is a this is a far departure from where we've been the past couple weeks. We've been intense <laughs> Documentary-wise. We've, we've been, like... We went hardcore intense, and I don't think the response should be like, "Let's only do fun baseball movies." But no. um, I was happy to do a fun baseball movie. No, I thought it was super fun. I mean, we want to keep it varied. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's really all we're looking to do. And, that's. Uh, I think that's. I would. I would agree with that. Yeah. 
You know, you know, I um, I didn't lead off with this, but uh, this is our twentieth episode. I thought it was. I thought we were right in around in there. Yes, yeah, so this is our. This is number twenty. We've officially made it one loop. Um, <laughs> wow! In, in our in our podcast. That's oh, it's a callback to our very first episode, the Barkley Marathons. This is actually so nice, Jason. Well, I've been thinking a lot about that, and uh, I think it's cool. And like now is a you know, maybe maybe we discuss now's an opportunity to like we're gonna we're gonna turn around and go the other direction. Uh, is that right? Do they do that first, or do they run once in the dark? Next, the, the next twenty the, is gonna. The next twenty are in the other direction. Right, so the next twenty are in the other direction. So like, who knows where we go from here? You know what I mean? Maybe we take, maybe we take the whole thing in a different direction. Maybe now we make documentaries about podcasts. You know? Yeah, totally, man. One a Revolutionize. week. Revolutionize. <laughs> oh my god. We'll do a we'll do an, an episode. Uh, we'll do a documentary about GarageBand, and then we'll do a documentary about microphone choices, and then. And then maybe finally, Casper mattresses will take some goddamn notice. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. Like, what do they? What do they need? What do they need from me? I don't um, know. I think we talk about them plenty. Yeah, uh, I tagged them in a Facebook post recently. I saw that. I saw that. And you, you know what they didn't do? Uh, absolutely give us mattresses. Anything. They didn't do absolutely. No- they did nothing. Yeah, but it was a val a valiant effort. Hey, I try. I'm a I'm a maverick. Um, oh no. Mm, thank you. That was gross. Uh, this week's uh, listener email comes from Twitter. They said, at Postdoc Podcast, see what's happening in the world. Um, and then a bunch of tweets that we should have known about. Um, I also just wanted to start this new segment right here called um, Documentaries that Feature Johnny Carson. <laughs> and uh, I would like to add this to the list i believe which uh johnny gosh may have been i think johnny Johnny? gosh and and um definitely the magician guy randy the amazing amazing randy Randy. he was on johnny carson um and yeah so maybe we're at three at this point but i just wanted to i think we should keep a running tally of that but i'd also like to keep a tally at the same time of documentaries that feature stephen colbert because i think I think we're at at least two on that one also i can't okay. put my fingers on which ones um but yeah let's keep a running tally we'll put we'll put that on the the website or on the facebook page yeah we'll keep, so we'll i keep think a running tally on yeah i think we've seen johnny carson now three times so uh it's been a real thrill <laughs> a, a real treat and i can't wait to see what uh johnny does next well, um, you have the you you're picking the documentary for next week. I know, and I just texted my mom because she wa- really wants us to do this one, and I forget what it's called. So, uh, so we have to, we'll wait for Mama Toby while I guess while we wait for her to. I'm also uh, just searching for some stuff in case she. So while while we wait for Mama Toby, uh, I'll just go ahead and say. Uh, if you want to know how many documentaries Johnny Carson was in, uh, you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash postdocpodcast. If you uh, want to follow us on Twitter um, and uh, retweet us, you can follow us at postdocpodcast. Emily Toby is tweeting some hot fire recently. She is just like, like yeah. 
splashing out the 140s everywhere. Uh, here's a here's a little tasting of something Emily Toby once said. Uh, she said, um, "Read my pin tweet. It's good." She said, "I don't know how people have the breath to sing quote, and I'm telling you because I almost passed out in the shower trying to lip sync it, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Uh, you could have you could have enjoyed that tweet um, months ago if you followed her on Twitter at em Toby. Um, I've been saying some really funny things recently too. Uh, here's a here's." Something that a lot of people enjoyed. Um, uh, 21 pilots and not one of them is American hero Sully Sullenberger. Sad. Hashtag Grammys. Um, um, that was hilarious. Thank you. I was tickled pink by that. Well, I try. And if you want to be tickled pink, you can follow me at JC Kasman. Um, so, uh, and uh, we have a Tumblr, uh, postdocpodcast.tumblr.com. Uh, that's, that's like, that's about all the stalling I can do. Uh, You've done a great job. Mama Tobes, Mama Tobes texted back. Um, so this is one she's brought up a few times. It's got practically five stars on Netflix. <laughs> so uh, four and a half. No, it's over four and a half. It's like, it's like mostly five. Anyway, cool. it's called Queen Mimi. Um, and it's, and this is what it says. This heartwarming documentary profiles Marie Haste, a formerly homeless Los Angeles woman who lives in a laundromat and has befriended celebrities. So I think it's we're in for like a quirky, a quirky character, and wow. I think that's fun. I know. So I just hope it doesn't take a who took Johnny turn. No, I told my mom I was like, that sounds like I'm gonna be sad about it, and she she assured me that the ending is is heartwarming and uplifting, and it's a real good time. So, so uh, was it who took Mimi? No, 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 just Queen, just Queen Mimi. <laughs> but also, Mimi. I just wanted to say that in in browsing, I found that Paris is Burning is back on the Netflix. Whoa! So, I know. So if the uh, YouTube version was maybe not up to your standard of watching, uh, it's now, now you can watch it. It's in now HD. on Netflix. That excites me. I may watch that tonight. We'll uh, we should post that on the Facebook page. That would be a um, great way to use our Facebook page. Right? I'm Facebook. always looking com for ways. I'm always looking for things. Uh, oh, I'm going to do it now. We're going to go out on a on a quote from the late, great Yogi Berra. He's nice. known for his quotes about documentaries and podcasts. He said, um, baseball is 90% documentary and the other half is podcast.